It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 930 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, late on a Wednesday, April the 21st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. we got tons of stuff for you, including... Our ultimate mock draft 2021. I can't tell you how cool this is. It's a wonderful, enormous project undertaken by our NFL hosts. If you're a football fan, just go listen. You've got the local experts of the Lockdown Network. You've got Odyssey sports experts like Michael Irvin and Brian Baldinger. It's huge. It's the biggest thing we've ever done, and you should go and listen to it if you are a football fan who is into the draft. Uh, All right, on today's show, just me. Going solo to break down the Toronto Raptors 114-103 win over the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday night. A very good vibes win, top to bottom for your Toronto Raptors. I'm going to dive into my biggest takeaways, of course. Going to talk about the returns of the big four. As it turns out, bringing your four best players back is kind of important. Going to dig into the center play a little bit, which was a huge highlight of this one. And I also want to remark upon just the rotations and how things might shake out here as the season 
winds down and there's 13 games left and the play-in race is ongoing and all that uh, and an injury as well to get to. Hopefully Chris Boucher is okay. We'll talk about that on today's show as well. Before we get into any of it, just a reminder that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Michelob Ultra at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later on in the episode. Okay, let's dig in here to my biggest takeaway from this Toronto Raptors game, and it is that the Toronto Raptors are very clearly the favorites to get the 10 seed in the Eastern Conference. It's not close. They're so much better than the Fugazi Chicago Bulls and the terrible, terrible Washington Wizards who suffered a bad injury tonight. Denny Avdia goes down. It looks like it's not quite as bad as it looked like it was going to be, so that's good, I suppose, but that's an injury for a team that doesn't have a lot of good players on it, and it's not like Avdia has been incredible this season, but he was certainly helpful. You factor in that, and you factor in the fact that the Raptors have their good players back, and shocker, they're a good team. They're better than the Bulls and the Wizards. They're probably better than the Pacers uh, and might stand a chance to chase them down. The Pacers won tonight. It's back to scoreboard watching. It's a beautiful thing. Gotta love to see it. Um, but, you know, even if they can't catch the Pacers, I don't fear the Pacers in a 9-10 play-in matchup, and then obviously the Raptors would have to win one more to get it to the eighth seed. But as it stands right now, this looks like a team equipped to make a run at the eight seed, and it does not look like a team that is trying to piss away games, which is lovely to see. I, you know, I've talked a lot about how much I hate tanking and don't want to tank and losing games on purpose. It just really does not sit right with me. And it seems as though the Raptors have kind of realized here they're too good to tank. They're too good to be in that Cleveland, Orlando sort of tier of trash that is continually falling further and further down the standings. And I think they're leaning into their destiny of being a team that's going to be hella annoying in the first round if they can get there and maybe pull off some crazy stuff. Who knows? Joel Embiid got hurt tonight. The Brooklyn Nets have no one healthy ever. You know, no clue what's going to happen in the first round. So yeah, by all means, push for it. And the Raptors are very clearly equipped to do that. And it did not take long in this game for that to become quite clear that this is a good team. The first quarter pretty rough. They lose at 36-23. The offense looked pretty out of sync. The Nets, I think, were throwing the Raptors off a little bit with their defense, uh, switching quite a bit. And, you know, it was a new starting five for the Raptors. They're 28th starting five of the season. And I'm not surprised it took some time for them to get sort of acclimatized to playing with Kem Birch as the starting five. I liked that move, by the way, by Nick Nurse. I was kind of curious as to what the starting five was going to look like with the full complement of players available. Were they going to stick with Boucher? Were they going to go small and start with Trent? And ultimately, I liked the uh, the decision to start the way they did and have the traditional center out there and Ken Birch and have traditional centers on the floor for most of this game. And I want to get to the center play in just a little bit in the second segment. But just overall, it, you know, it was lovely to see the main four guys back in the lineup. They're all very good at basketball. Pascal Siakam, I thought, was... He did the, the sort of thing where he's done this quite a bit in the last couple months here, where he'll have these very quietly brilliant games. He's not, you know, beating you over the head with it. He's not scoring 40 points, but... 27, 9, and 6 on 10 of 19 shooting, hit two threes on five attempts as well, had two steals. I thought his defense in this one was basically where you want to see it from Pascal Siakam. He was large. He was covering ground. He was getting out to contest shooters, not so much in the first quarter as the Raptors, again, were kind of getting acclimatized and accustomed to playing with a center who, you know, can catch balls and play defense and do things that Aaron Baines can't dream of anymore. Um, but yeah, I thought it was 
a really nice performance from Pascal Siakam. Just, you know, the overall control of the game. They were at their best when they were running the offense through him. That's not to take anything away from Kyle Lowry or anything like that, but it is telling that Siakam led both Lowry and Van Vliet in assists in this game with six and just two turnovers as well, which you love to see. It was just nice to see him kind of get back in that groove after it's been a little bit up and down. Obviously he hasn't played every game recently. It's been a little bit inconsistent as to when he's getting into the lineup. And so you might expect some rust, no rust from Siakam in this one at all. The rust, if there was any, was kind of on Fred and Kyle Lowry in this one to start out. Just a little bit uneasy, a little bit jumpy, some strange turnovers, strange passes. Ultimately, both just finished with one turnover, so maybe I'm over inflating that a little bit. But, uh, you know, it looked a little bit you know clunky in the first quarter. And Nick Nurse said before the game as much, it's going to look clunky in the first quarter or in maybe this entire game. It's going to be ugly because... You know, it's their first time. It was the first time for the main four guys playing together since March 29th. It's been such an inconsistent, up and down, oscillating season. I, I would have expected there to be some rough growing pains and sort of just kind of getting back in the swing of things in that first quarter. And then things really settled down. Quarters two, three, and four, basically entirely in the control of the Raptors. Kyle Lowry just you know, finger on the pulse of the game as he typically has it, um, you know, didn't score a ton in this game, but when he did score, the 14 points he got were enormous, whether it was pull up threes to kind of stick a dagger in the back of the nets, whether it was, you know, realizing, okay, it's been a while since we scored. I'm going to go get to the line or I'm going to score in tight doing the Kyle Lowry thing. Um, Fred had a nice game as well. Five of 10 from three started off pretty rough. And I thought he kind of settled in as the game went along. And that was huge. The pull up threes and transition for him were enormous. That third quarter, the Raptors went at 36, 23 and their defense was just, it's what you want the Raptors defense to be. They were turning the nets over. They were getting it on the run. They were just everywhere. OG Ananobi too, just an absolute menace in this game. He was huge in particularly in the first half with his scoring. I believe he had 20 first half points. Finishes with 25, 3 and 1, two blocks and I thought his defense in this game was absolutely game-changing in the second half. I'm not surprised his scoring output kind of came down a little bit in the final 24 because he was guarding Kyrie Irving. He was switching, he was like just everywhere absolutely everywhere as you expect og ananobi to be and then you factor in the sound rim protection of kem birch and freddie gillespie who was more than sound he had five blocks in this game and you know it all kind of fell into place that's just what you expect when you get your four best players back it's not rocket science it's just kind of how it works and those four guys playing together we knew from the outset of this season even when things were rough okay those four guys is taken care of. They're very good at basketball. They know how to play together. They are excellent defenders. At least three of them are. Kyle's dropped off a little bit, but that's fine. Those guys are the foundation of the team, and the concern was always the rest of the roster. Well, guess what? In the time that the Raptors have been languishing away with no available players and COVID and everything, they've massaged that depth. They've found Malachi Flynn as a, as a nice backup point guard who wasn't terribly loud tonight, hit a couple big shots, and, you know, I thought did a fine enough job running the offense for the bench, even though the bench didn't score a ton in this one. But you have that guy as a steady backup point guard, which they just haven't had all season long. It's been impossible to find for them. They've been, you know, really kind of getting by on that Larry and Fred duo and having that third option to hopefully also take some minutes off of those guys. You know, Flynn only played 11 minutes tonight. I'd like to see his minutes up and Kyle and Fred, who both played 35, I wouldn't mind seeing their minutes down a little bit, but you know, they were in the groove and they looked good and they were closing this one out. So not too many complaints there. I thought they played 42 minutes and 
in addition to Flynn, you've got Yuta Watanabe, who's just become a really nice little bench piece. Didn't score a ton tonight, but he was two of four. He hit a three. He, you know, seems to be kind of testing the waters as an off ball on the ball creator a little bit as well, too. And you like to see that. You know, Chris Boucher wasn't enormous in this one, but he did have a couple huge buckets during that stretch in the third quarter where the Raptors were pulling away. And Freddie Gillespie was outstanding. And that leads me into the next segment where I want to dig into the centers in particular in Ken Birch and Freddie Gillespie. Um, we'll also get to Gary Trent, who I did not talk about in the first, but we will get to him in the final segment. And also going to do a full episode on Gary Trent tomorrow with Joel Wolfland to kind of dig into a very interesting start to his Raptors career and sort of where things go from here and next season and all that stuff. So that'll be a big focus. That's why I'm not digging in too much on Gary Trent, who was quiet and inefficient off the bench, but we'll get to that a little bit in the final segment. Let's uh, take a quick second here, though, and we'll get to the center talk in just one sec. But first, I want to tell you who our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is. And so this week... It's tricky. No one was available, really. But I'm going to give the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week to Freddie Gillespie, baby. Uh, Just really nice to see Freddie Gillespie getting some running. It's his second NBA contract. He just, you know, he he's putting it together here. They're clearly going to lean into him and, and give him the opportunity to blossom and develop and work on his game. And there will be some warts here and there, particularly on the offensive end. But I don't think they're all that worried about it. And Freddie Gillespie looks like a keeper. He looks like a guy who should be on this team as a rotation big, whether he's the second, third big next season, whatever it might be. He's worth a shot. And he just seems to be so steady. He knows where to be. He knows not where not to be. I think that's just important as important with a big. He's not jumping out of position to you know chase blocks and things like that. He's just rock solid. And there's something to be said for rock solid and unassuming on a team that all season long, has been begging for rock solid and unassuming. So Freddie Gillespie is your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. It's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. You want to talk about joy, happiness, and enjoyment, you get it with Michelob Ultra. You also get it with Freddie Gillespie. Also, not a stranger to bringing joy about in his post-game press conferences as well. Are you win because are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? No need to ask the question with Michelob Ultra. You get both. You win and you are happy. That's lovely. Michelob Ultra, baby. Thank you to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we continue on here. Just a uh, heads up, as I said, tomorrow's episode, we'll have Joe Wolf on. on. We're going to dig deep into Derry, Derry, Gary Trent. There we go. Wanted to go with the alliteration there. That was bad. A uh, tongue twister. Whatever. Gary Trent Jr. is the topic of tomorrow's podcast. That'll be fun. Also doing a locker room with Vivek and maybe Katie on Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So if you are into locker room, going to do a locker room there and we're going to turn that into the podcast probably for that day. So Jump on in there, and he could appear on the podcast. That's fun. Um, all right, let's get to the rest of my takes on this Nets game for the Raptors. Um, I want to talk about the centers. Ken Birch, 24 minutes, 8 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, a block. Uh, hit a 3 near the end, which was great. Uh, kind of a dagger, kind of not, but still beautiful to see. 
Uh, Freddie Gillespie, I mentioned him in the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Four points, five boards, one assist, one steal, five blocks in this one as well. Just one of four on offense, but like, don't care at all. <laughs> he just, he's a good, steady, reliable player. And as a backup center, you basically just want a guy to not screw up. And that is what they've gotten in Freddie Gillespie. It's what they figured to have in Ken Birch, assuming he probably moves into the backup role next season if they can make an upgrade in the offseason. And you, you know, it's a game changer for this team. We have talked all season long about Aaron Baines and how like very glaring that hole's been and how it seems like it's the root of so many of the Raptors problems. And I guess we were right. Like having a reliable center who can catch the ball and rebound and just do the things that centers are supposed to do when they're not superstar centers and not hubs of the offense, having guys just doing those nitty gritty things is so valuable. And Baines just couldn't do those this year. He couldn't rebound, couldn't score. The threes were, you know, in theory, the threes were valuable because they were opening things up and spacing things out for Pascal Siakam to drive, but he wasn't hitting any of them and they were the worst shots in the world and half the time his foot was on the line. So, you know, it's none of the things he was supposed to be offering on the positive side of things were even happening. So you end up with just a gaping hole in the roster, no backup center as well, either to even sort of get promoted or move up in the lineup. You're playing Stanley Johnson as a five OG and Siakam are extra tasks as tasked as a five. That is. And you get Birch and Gillespie now and all those problems just like go away. And honestly, the fact that they're playing this well, or that they look this good with these two guys at center, like Ken Birch and Freddie Gillespie love these guys. They're nothing overly, impressive as starting centers or backup centers. I mean, there are plenty more centers who are going to give you a lot more dynamism and scoring and all that throughout the league. But I think the fact that the Raptors look so good with those two guys combining for 48 minutes of center play right now really does kind of retroactively prove that the front office was right to say we can absorb the loss of Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka and fill in with mercenary centers and get by for a year. They just happened to sign a guy who was cooked and had nothing to offer. And Alex Len, who, you know, whatever, he was not also, he was also not good and glad he kind of found a role in Washington, but he was terrible in his time with the Raptors, save for that Knicks game where he hit a couple threes. And, you know, I think at the time, yeah, sure. Bain seemed like a good pickup and I don't think anyone expected him to be the player he was, but because he was so bad, it just gave them nothing from that position. And now you're getting 48 minutes between Gillespie and Birch of just sound, reliable center play. And it's just an absolute world-changing thing for this team because the infrastructure, and this was the argument I made for why Baines would be a nice pickup. There wasn't a lot Baines had to do to be good and effective within this team. The infrastructure around them is really nice. You've got a high-scoring big and Chris Boucher off the bench who can kind of take up some of that scoring burden from a center who doesn't score a lot. You've got the starting five, which is excellent defensively, kind of putting centers in a good position to not be constantly having to guard a barrage of blow-bys and things like that. And you've got four guys in Lowry, Van Vliet, Ananobi, and Siakam who can very clearly be your top four guys in an offense. And you don't need to worry about getting a lot from your center. They can get those garbage buckets, pick up offensive boards, and contribute that way, and that's totally fine. And now they have that. <laughs> and it's, again, kind of proves that the Raptors were right in their thinking. The front office is right in its thinking that, oh, yeah, no, we can get by here without Serge and Gasol. It's just a shame that it took this long to find two guys. And look, you know, I'm sure they made 
you know, efforts to find guys throughout the season. You know, that Gillespie was playing in the G League. He really showed out in the bubble. And then they signed him, you know, maybe a little bit too long after the bubble, if for your taste, I suppose. But they brought him in, and that's good. In terms of Birch, he was on the Magic. You know, I'm sure they wanted to try to ride it out with him when it real they realized it was a lost season. You know, he came loose and he was able to be signed, and that's great. But you know, I, I don't know. We don't need to go back and relitigate. Did the Raptors do enough to get guys in early enough? I think with everything else going on with the team, with COVID and injuries and rest and all and all that, like they probably would have struggled the same had they picked up Birch and Gillespie a month earlier. But it is really nice to see now that like it all just kind of falls into place and everything makes sense. The rotation top to bottom, it just oh yeah, you know that it's just the smart way to put it together. And I would say, I hope that the sort of the way that the Raptors didn't have any centers this season and how it was so clearly a big issue for them. I would really hope that doesn't totally so like soil people on the idea of small ball, because if you think back, like the best stretches for this team were when they went to play small and just avoided the center situation entirely. And they went 15 and seven or whatever it was leaning into small ball and playing small as much as they could. And they can still do that. They can play Gary Tran Jr. and, and swap out a big. They can play Malachi Flynn probably, or even Utah uh, and swap out a big and, and play small, but a little bit bigger with Utah in that case. But, you know, that's still going to be an effective lineup for this team, if not this season, the next year as well. I just hope that the there's not like an overcorrection and there's this sort of assumption that small ball is bad and can't be done just because the Raptors had trouble with it. With, with their center position this year, um, you know, it, it's they're, they're two different things. The small ball lineup can also be good and the non-small ball lineups are now better because Aaron Baines is not there. So th this is a good thing. It means the Raptors have flexibility going forward and they don't have to rely on Siakam and OG to play the four and five 40 minutes a night and they can be preserved and they can use those lineups as specialty looks and, and stuff like that a little bit more. Um, but I again, I just don't don't get turned off and soured on small ball just because the Raptors had no centers this season. That's not really the same thing. Um, but it's lovely to have centers now. Let me tell you, Birch is awesome. <laughs> and, you know, again, I, am I comfortable with Birch being the long-term starting center? Probably not. But, you know, as a, as a really good backup, absolutely. Uh, hell yeah, as a fill-in starter, if you have injuries, whatever it might be, totally works for me. He's uh, he's a nice player to have around, and hopefully he'll be around quite a while. Same with Freddie Gillespie. Sign him today. After his 10 days up, whatever, give him the two-year deal or whatever it might be. Um, don't get predatory and weird with it like the Thunder will, but uh, give him a couple years. Give him the Utah deal through the end of next season, at least, to give him another look, because they seem to have found something in Freddie Gillespie, and you'll love to see it. We're going to continue on here in just one second, dive into Gary Trent and his role on the team now that they've kind of returned to health and a very interesting close to the season for Gary Trent. I'm very fascinated to watch him, maybe more than anybody else on this team, because we kind of know what everybody else is right now. And Gary Trent has this sort of mystery. So we're going to talk about him in just one second, leading into tomorrow's full Gary Trent episode. And we'll touch on a couple other box score notes too. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the number one place for you to go to bet on all your favorite sports action. They are great. They have NBA action, MLB, NHL. They've got 
basketball played overseas. The WNBA is coming up soon as well. You'll have that. You've got award shows, TV shows, reality TV, whatever it might be, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you could imagine at betonline.ag, where they have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Just head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That means if you put in 100 bucks, you get 150 bucks to start out with, and that is a wonderful deal. Just use the promo code LOCKED on all one word that's betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at builtbar.com who are making the best built bar or not just the best built bars obviously they're making the best built bars they're making the best protein bars baby they have a wonderful lineup of flavors 18 amazing staple flavors and they also have limited edition flavors including the bar that won the Built Bar Madness Bracket last month, month that is Coconut Brownie Chunk, which is so freaking good. It's amazing. I have a couple in my fridge right now, and uh, I'm always fighting myself to not eat all of them in one sitting. They're delicious, and they're now available over at BuiltBar.com. Of course, you know Built Bars. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person. Low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet as well. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order as the promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com get yourself some coconut brownie chunk all right let's close this thing out uh with a note on gary trent jr and just sort of the general rotation of nick nurse in this game which was a little weird not gonna lie it was strange but also I kind of get it. It's his first time. He's got like his arms overflowing with healthy players for the first time in months. And I understand if there were some hiccups in trying to execute the uh, the lineup here. You know, there was an instance in the second quarter, I think, where I think he accidentally played Gillespie and Birch together for like a possession and realized, oh, shit, I should have put Boucher in there or kept Boucher in there, or whatever it should have been. And he swapped Boucher in for Birch pretty quickly. Um, very strange. But, you know, it kind of speaks to, again, the, you know, there's rust for everybody. There's got to be rust for the head coach kind of figuring out how to orient his players. And now that he has a full roster and kind of a deep one at that, it's going to be difficult. And some guys are going to have nights where they don't get a ton of minutes. Do I think Gary Trent Jr. and Malachi Flynn should be playing 14 and 11 minutes combined? No, I think especially even as they lean into trying to make the play in, you can do that while also developing those guys. And I think I would like to see those minutes scaled up. I'd like to see Pascal, OG, Lowry and Fred's minutes kind of tamped down a little bit down to like the 31 to 33 range. And you work in Flynn and Trent a little bit more often. And I think sort of the trouble that Nurse got into in this game was that he really did the hockey change thing. And maybe it was a, a matter of, I haven't had my team together in forever. These guys haven't played together in forever. Maybe it's easier to forge chemistry if you're just going straight hockey changes, basically, and playing five and five. Um, and I kind of understand it if that's the reasoning there. But also, you end up with lineups where it's Gary Trent, Malachi Flynn, Yuta Watanabe, Freddie Gillespie, and Chris Boucher. All individually, guys I like, but that lineup just did not work. And there's no reason right now for the Raptors not to have one or two of their main four guys on the floor at all times. And then you work in the other guys, you know, that way, um, you know, this might get a little bit easier if Chris Boucher is going to miss some time. looks like he has a sprained knee. Uh, looks like it could have been a lot worse. So glad to see it's only a sprain and hopefully he can make a quick recovery. Maybe it makes it a little bit easier. You play a Watanabe at the four a little bit more and you just go with the tight nine man rotation. Maybe a little bit of Deandre Bembry worked in or Paul Watson when he's back. Uh, and then you kind of fill in for Boucher that way. But you know, I, I just, 
I didn't love the hockey changes and I didn't love the dependence on the starters, even though the starters were the reason they won this game. They were all plus 10 or better. Uh, they were excellent on the floor. They they beat the piss out of the Nets for the most part when they were playing. But still, I think you can still win these games and also get more run and burn for Flynn and Trent. And also playing those guys with the good players will also think make things a little bit better in their minutes. And you're not going to see them go two of nine in Gary Trent's case. You know, if he's playing off of guys like Lowry and Fred and Siakam, I think there's just a lot better in terms of a shot diet for him to, to, to absorb. He's not creating for himself too much. He's not kind of getting tunnel vision thinking he has to carry the entire day and working in at least one starter with those bench lineups would be something I'd like to see. That said, I do like, the move to bring Trent off the bench. And this is, I think, a little bit of a con- controversial thing uh, that's going to be a bit of, you know, if I'm looking ahead in the sort of Raptors crystal ball, I, c- I feel like Trent starting versus not starting is going to be one of those issues that splits Raptors internet. <laughs> um, people love the buckets. People love Gary Trent Jr. I love Gary Trent Jr. He's extremely fun and cool, but I do like the idea of bringing him off the bench. And we talked about this in our locker room last week with myself and Vivek. Um, there was a question about like what Trent's ceiling is and what his role is going forward. And this is going to be the entire podcast tomorrow, so I won't get too, too much into it. And Joe Wolf on smarter than me anyway, so we'll get to some better thoughts on it anyway. But I think the if you look at this team as, and you make a couple of assumptions, and there are tough assumptions to make. We have no idea what's going to happen this offseason. But if the assumption is, and just reading the tea leaves, this feels kind of likely that the Raptors are going to keep Lowry and look to add a starting center of some caliber, it makes sense to kind of get Trent accustomed to playing off the bench now. I know he seems like a guy who's been very eager for the opportunity the Raptors have granted him, and he seemed to be very happy with the opportunity to take a lot of shots, and that's still going to be there for him. And I think, honestly, he can get that sort of experience of taking a ton of shots and leading an offense in the second unit. Do I think him and Malachi Flynn are necessarily ready right now to lead a second unit entirely? Not really. That's why I think you need to have one of the starters in with them for sure. One of Siakam, Fred, or Lowry, preferably. But, you know, I, I think in time, that can be a very good backcourt that can run a second unit and beat the shit out of opposing second units. Like that, There's the, a good making of something there. Again, these guys are 22 and 23. There's There's plenty of room to grow with these guys, and they're not finished products by any means. But yeah, right now, it's a little bit tricky with Trent. That said, like I said, I, I think keeping him in this bench role and kind of massaging him and building him up to be sort of a you like a super sub where you're not playing him like a regular bench player you're not playing him 18 to 25 minutes or whatever it might be he's probably going to be a guy who logs 30 minutes for you at some point next season obviously the lineup construction will will vary and all that but there will be injuries there will be you know, want to change things up you want to go small who knows if Lowry even comes back you know I'd lean towards that happening right now but I don't know but Trent off the bench with his scoring acumen, with his, um, you know, sometimes you need that gunner mentality. Honestly, it's why Serge Ibaka was so damn good as a bench player for the Raptors. He just didn't care. He wasn't passing. He was just finishing plays. And for those little four or five minute stretches where your best players are off the floor, that's kind of a nice thing to have. Obviously, Trent looks rough when he's not scoring. Our friend Robel made the point tonight, um, you know, what is Trent actually doing if he's not scoring? And the answer right now is not a whole lot. You know, he can get some steals, he'll jump the passing lanes, but he's not a great defender at the moment. You know, I think there's a good defender in there somewhere, probably a better defender than Norm Powell was when he left the Raptors, honestly, but that's not saying much. And I, I just, I like the idea of him being that super sub going forward where you can kind of, 
rely on him to come in, be a bit of a microwave. If he's super hot, then great. Keep him in and he can close. And if he's not, then you're not worried about it. And you can go back to your regular staple starting five with a center and you're not too stressed. And, you know, I, I like that look. I like the the getting a look at it now. And maybe this does kind of tip their hand as to what their plans are going forward here. I suppose the worry is, you know, Gary Trent gets perturbed by coming off the bench after getting to, you know, set career highs every other week when he was in the starting five. But I, I still feel like he seems like a good team guy, seems like a guy who's, you know, high character, all that stuff, you know, all those cliches love to throw around that people throw around about him. But, you know, he doesn't seem like he's going to make a stink, really. If you can sell him on that high usage six man role, kind of like they sold Serge Ibaka on it, honestly, where you're putting them in a position to succeed off the bench and the starter versus not starter distinction doesn't really matter. It's starter versus finisher. And if he's finishing a lot of games, then I think he'll be just fine with it. Um, just I, I like the move by Nurse. I just like to see the lineups maybe make a little bit more sense and feature more starters to, again, kind of complement Flynn and Trent in particular in that backcourt, where it is a lot for them to kind of run the show right now, especially, you know, Watanabe, Gillespie, they're nice. They're not terribly dangerous offensive players at the moment. Boucher kind of has his ups and downs. You know, it's going to be a little bit tricky to sort of massage that at the moment. But again, throw a Siakam next to those guys and you're cooking with a bench lineup and that's going to destroy second units, I would think, going forward here. Um, that's kind of all I got on this game. The Raptors looked lovely. It was beautiful to see. Uh, want to once again circle back. OG Ananobi, holy God, <laughs> he was so good in this game. Lovely to see him back on the floor. 25, just the dunk he had in transition. He had one play where he, I think it was leading to the dunk actually, where he just like ripped the ball out of Kyrie's hands when he was going up for a mid-ranger and said, nope, it's mine and I'm going to go dunk on your ass on the other end. Um, shout out to OG Ananobi, man. The breakout is real. Go read Lewis Zatzman's piece uh, about his breakout and sort of how it's been a little bit different than a lot of breakouts, but still the impact, the on-court impact, the driving of winning, it's all there for him, man. He looks great and uh, that's another guy I'm fascinated to watch down the stretch of the season here. As your Toronto Raptors push for a play-in berth. And uh, at the moment, they're in the spot. Uh, let me see. Did the Warriors hang on and beat the uh, Wizards tonight? Uh, did they? Oh, no. The Wizards won. Goddamn. Anyway, the Raptors are behind the Wizards then, I guess, by a half game. But still, the Raptors, are, I think, are better. <laughs> they're, they're a better team than the Wizards. And uh, that'll be a fun little race. And if they don't end up getting into the play-in, then everyone gets to go home early. And uh, they get to go to take naps and get a higher pick. And that's to totally fine, too. Uh, if the it's in the cards for the Raptors not to pick high or to pick high, then that's fine. But again, don't be trying to do it on purpose because we saw tonight when the team is trying to win, it's quite good and quite fun. Anyway, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. Again, tomorrow, myself and Joe Wolfon are going to dive deep into Gary Trent Jr. and his offseason ahead, his contract, his role on this year's team and going forward, his ceiling, his floor, all of the different angles of Gary Trent Jr. after his very interesting start with the Raptors. That took a bit of a turn tonight when he was moved to the bench for the first time. We'll talk about that. And uh, on Friday, we're going to do that mailbag through Locker Room that we'll then repurpose as a podcast. So that should be a lot of fun, too. And uh, get your questions ready for that. We'll take the questions in the Locker Room chat and uh, do it that way. Anyway, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.